The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Brutal Nation, boys and girls. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Rack Press Me's the one, uh, the only, the beast herself. Tammy, the hairy Sasquatch Underwood. You gonna trim that beard someday soon? Fuck off, Scott. <laughs> and on the phone with us, we have, as a special co-host, Todd Colip. Say hi, Todd. Say hi, Hello. Todd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Todd. I Todd fell asleep I for a minute. <laughs> All right, so you, you, I'm just going to let Tammy launch into it because she said this episode's already going to piss us off anyway. Yeah, it so. kind of is, but I got to kind of send this email to that Nick guy real quick. But Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorry. We're, we're getting another article in another magazine for the UK. So if we're doing better half, right? Yeah, okay. better half on that one there. So we're kind of multitasking today. We're doing the podcast. We're doing promotions for the album, uh, for the band, and... Uh, more interviews and that type of a shit. So, yeah, good times. Good times. Is that from Nico? No, no, no. This is for, uh, I think that's for Powerplay Magazine. Yeah, Powerplay UK. Yeah, in the UK. And then they distribute oh, cool. it out to, like, the BBC uh, worldwide and things like that. So, yeah, it's good times. This cool. is the be the second article that we've done with them. Yeah. Th- I mean, and this guy's a really great guy. He gets back to me quickly and... Right, right. So, Normally we would jump right in, but sorry, I no, know, but fine. I was in the process of it when he called. I so. forgot that you were in the process yeah, of doing that shit. It's all good. Okay. Anyways, this guy's name is Pedro Alonso Lopez. Um, and I know that we've talked about this in the past, but I'm going to say it again because I find it so frustrating. It's whenever I said about researching a case in another country, I can almost bet on the fact there's going to be little information on that case, right? Especially if the case is prior to 2000. As a result, this case was not the exception. I mean, I found some information enough to present, but there's not a lot of detailed information. Well, it's from it's from south of the border. We That's true. That I mean, getting pictures is is easy. We can find all the horrific pictures on, under the dude, under the stars, but yeah, getting fucking information is like pulling teeth. <laughs> right, and not even in Spanish, because like I remember doing the uh, the one about the lucha libre, uh-huh. the chick who was. Uh, you know, killing people. Uh, and all of her stuff is in Spanish. I'm reading it because it's one of the languages that I speak. And fucking like, it's it, it basically says she wore a mask, she killed people, ruined her career at the end. That was it. Yeah, pretty much. And every article is like that. Huh? I, don't, I don't understand why we don't have more information on these people considering the fact that all the witnesses and all the families live outside of El Paso now. So, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> this guy is actually from Colombia. Um, he needs to bring me some coffee and cocaine. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, when I research a case after I've gathered, you know, a bunch of articles and reports, the first thing I do is try to put out a timeline. Um, with this guy, it proved to be a laborious task. Let me tell you. Some reports claim that he was born in Tolima, Colombia, in 1949. However, I found other reports that said he was born on October 8th, 1948 in Venadillo, which is a suburb of Tolima. And then there was some information that I could verify. Same, same. Well, because back in April 1948, uh, Bogota's popular liberal mayor, Jorge Elisar Gaetan Ayala, Jesus, was that's too many fucking names. 
Chill out with the fucking names. Just give us the first and last. last. We don't need his whole family history. <laughs> hey, hey, hey he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a liberal. Of course he's going to have like a name like Jorge. <laughs> hey, Jorge. <laughs> he's a liberal. Anyways, he was assassinated, which sparked a brutal riot. And then in less than 24 hours from when the Bogotaza riots broke out, the city was nearly destroyed. But the fighting between the paramilitaries, the guerrillas, and the National Armed Forces went on for 10 years. And those 10 years are referred to as La Violencia. It's the Colombian Civil War. Um, so around the same time La Violencia erupted, but... Benilda Lopez de Castaneda. I know, right? And I'm having a hard time because I have my bottom plate in, so I'm having a hard time doing any of these And words. she had a rough day at work on Sandy Boulevard. Shut up. So she became pregnant with Pedro. Now, she was a prostitute working the streets of Colombia, and he was the seventh of 13 children born to this destitute woman. Jesus, keep your legs closed, honey. Right? Do you know that shit fucking happens? Now, Pedro's father, Megdardo Reyes, yeah, Megdardo, <laughs> was just another one of her Johns. Now, he was a fighter in La Violencia and died shortly after the child was conceived. Now, being born in a country that was controlled by yeah, rioters. Exhaustion. Yeah, exhaustion. Yeah, no right? shit, huh? <laughs> no, she didn't die. He did. The father did. Now, being yeah. in a country you, that was... You know, we have, to, we have to do our part, too. You just lay there. We got to do the work. Oh, That's right. I don't just lay there. We are the hardest working people <laughs> in the fucking business. <laughs> Literally. Stupid. And he didn't just die. He, he, I mean, seriously, coming home to 14 kids, he was ready for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, by then, she was, he was only her seventh, and not all of them were the same father. She was a prostitute, remember? <laughs> right. Now, um, born in a country that was controlled by rioters committing the most violent acts couldn't have been easy. However, I'm pretty sure being raised by a judgmental, overbearing mother without a father figure didn't really help Pedro either. No, you know, I can kind of relate to that. So keep going. Yeah. yeah. That's... Then again, perhaps he grew up thinking it was better to live under the rule of his mother's strict guidelines than be out in the streets where the crime rate was approximately 50 times greater than in any other country across the globe. Now, he was eight or nine years old in 1957 when his mother walked in on him trying to rape one of his younger sisters. Needless to say, the strict disciplinarian would have none of that in her house, so she kicked him out and told him he could never go back again. And thus began his education on the streets of Colombia. With all the violence happening around the country, Pedro knew it wouldn't be easy for him to survive. However, he wasn't out there long before an older man... I put pan. Let me change that because it's going to bug me. Pan man. Same, same. Pan man, yeah. Took pity on him, gave him some food, and offered him shelter. Now keep in mind, or offered him food <laughs> and shelter. Now keep in mind, the child hadn't even gone through puberty yet. Not to mention, despite his mother's chosen profession, he didn't really have any street smarts. Therefore, he just thought he was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. He doesn't hesitate to go with the stranger. However, Pedro quickly yeah, learned... Yeah, a, a, a stranger male who gives you food and shelter and comfort, this sounds like a child monster waiting to happen. Well, you know what? You kind of got ahead of me there because he, he just took the boy to an old abandoned structure 
He also didn't give the boy food or provide him a place to sleep off the streets. Oh, Instead, I bet you he didn't even have a white panel van. Bastard. Yeah, yeah, you can't be a no. chimo without a white panel van. No, he saying. raped the kid several times. And when he satisfied his, his deviant desires, he forced Pedro to return to the streets. Holy shit. Now, before this incident, Pedro blindly trusted people. After all, he'd never had a reason not to. After he was assaulted, he quickly realized he couldn't trust anyone but himself. In fact, the thought of interacting with a stranger frightened him. Therefore, he would find hideaways in a deserted alley or building where he would sleep during the day. And at night, he would hide in the shadows to look for food, which he often found from dumpsters and trash cans in whatever neighborhood he was in. Now, he lived like that for approximately a year before he became brave enough to leave the town his mother lived in. He traveled around Colombia and at some point found himself in Bogota. When he arrived, he began his ritual of diving in dumpsters and begging for any scraps of food people were willing to spare. And he had done this for a couple days when he was actually approached by an American immigrant couple. The husband and wife had seen the emaciated child and were heartbroken as they watched him beg for scraps of food. So they took pity on him. They fed him a hot meal, probably his first since his mother kicked him out. And once he was fed, they offered him a place off the streets and they adopted him. Although he was leery, he thought it was better than continuing to live on the streets, so he agreed to go home with them that day. The older man and woman were kind to him, provided him a place to stay and food to eat, and they expected nothing in return. In fact, they even wanted him to get an education, so not long after taking him in, they enrolled him in a local school for orphans. Now, he was living a good life with the American couple who took him into their home. He was going to school. He had a roof over his head, a bed to sleep in, and he wasn't begging for food anymore. Over the next couple of years, he had developed a comfortable routine that included him going to school every day. That changed in 1963 when he was victimized again. Pedro was 12 years old when a teacher pulled him aside one day at school and sexually assaulted him. Now, that incident reignited his anger towards the world and the fears he had buried when the, when the Americans offered him their home to him. He suddenly didn't think he could trust the couple any longer either. So after the teacher molested him, he went into an office at the school, stole some money, and never went back to the house he had been living in for the past couple of years. He felt he would only be safe again if he was on his own, living on the streets of Bogota. Now, by that time, the war had ended. And the Colombian government was amid their reorganization and rebuilding process. So as a result, the old factories were starting to open back up again. But he was poorly educated and didn't possess any skill trades. Therefore, he had to survive by committing petty crimes and begging for food. Once he hit his mid-teens, he started stealing cars to get money, which he used to buy food and anything else he needed to survive. By then, he figured he really had nothing to lose by committing the crimes. Not to mention, chop shops around Bogota were paying well for high-demand vehicles, right? And as it turned out, he was pretty good at it for a while. And then in 19... I hate this year. 1969, when yeah, he was 18 years old, man. the law caught up to him and he was arrested by the local authorities. After his conviction, the judge sentenced him to seven years in a Colombian prison for auto theft. Now, two days after he arrived at the facility, four of the older prisoners cornered him and gang-raped him. It was after this attack when Pedro made himself a vow. Nobody would ever victimize him again. In fact, the four men who attacked them would have to be taught a lesson by him. 
Over the next two weeks, he made a shank using utensils from the prison and systematically murdered each man involved in raping him. But, you know, I can't fault him for that, to be Me honest. Me neither. Me neither. And when he was finished, the prison officials nope. actually had to figure out how to punish him. In the end, they ruled his actions were carried out in self-defense, so he only received two extra years. Now, some experts say Pedro's traumatic childhood and the time he spent in prison changed or uh, damaged his psyche. In fact, the rape may just have been the straw that broke the camel's back with his moral judgment. From that point forward, a deviant was born. Being raised by a mentally abusive woman led to Pedro being afraid of women in general. His prof her profession left him believing any sort of social or sexual interaction with a woman wasn't practical. Therefore, he self-satisfied his sexual desires with the aid of porno magazines Imagine and erotic books. Just is ignore that? it. I'm not oh. doing something. I'm. In bad. fact, he felt the only person to blame for the trauma he suffered over the years was his overbearing mother. Right. So. Uh -huh. So he gets out of prison in 1978 from the car theft and started traveling through Peru. He said it was during this time that he. He later claimed that he began stalking and killing at least 100 young girls from various native tribes throughout the region. While it's impossible to verify those claims, it is known that he was captured by a group of, I am going to mess this name up, Ayacuchos in northern Peru. I think I had those once, but I got uh, some, some shampoo and the Ayacuchos went away. It was amazing. Fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> However, ah, uh, hang on. So he tried to, so he tried to kidnap this girl, right? Um, she was a nine-year-old girl. However, the natives caught him, stripped and tortured him for hours before they decided, hey, we're gonna bury you alive. However, at that precise moment, an American missionary happened to come now, into town and he saw no, what they I were doing that. and he what convinced the captors that murder was world. against God. So and so he said, you know, the best thing for you to do is let him go and I'll turn him over to the authorities. So they agreed now, and gave their prisoner over to the authorities in Peru. But Peru government didn't want to deal with investigating petty native complaints. So they let him go. They deported him back to Ecuador. Now, when he returned to Ecuador, Pedro began traveling throughout the region again, making frequent stops in Colombia as well. Now, soon the authorities in all three of those areas noticed that there was an increase in missing persons involving young girls. However, they didn't really put too much thought into it because they assumed that it was a result of the sex the sex trafficking because that was on the rise. Check out Brutal Nation. Now, in April of 1980, there was a flash flood near Ambato, Ecuador, and that is when the authorities realized, hey. Maybe these people aren't being traded into the sex industry. I think they're being killed because the water's uprooted remains of four missing children. While it was difficult for them to determine what caused these children's death, they, uh, they could obviously tell that the kids had been murdered because their bodies had been hidden, right? Now, days after the flood, a local resident by the name of Carvina Poveda... She and her 12-year-old daughter, Marie, were shopping in the local market. Of course, it's a Marie or a Maria. Marie. 
Yeah, they were shopping in the local market when some strange man tried to grab Marie. Now, she, the mother screamed for help, and some of the local merchants, like, really, like, went after him, and it, they were able to chase him down and held him there until the authorities arrived. Now, when the authorities arrived, he was, like, rambling incoherently, so they thought he was just some, you know, psychot off the street, right? You know how they have those drug addicts who just mumble to themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Scott does it occasionally. I'd mumble to myself, <laughs> but, you know, I've been clean for over 20 years. <laughs> Mostly now, when I'm pissed off at the road, motherfuckers. I know, right? Now, once they had him back at the police headquarters, he refused to say anything. He stuck to his right to remain silent, right? No matter what question they asked him, he did not answer. So they decided, hey, we need to do something else to get this guy to talk. So a guy by the name, a detective by the name of Pesar Gonzalez actually stayed in the cell for 27 days talking to Pedro. And during that time, Pedro confessed his crimes. He said that he murdered at least 110 girls in Ecuador, 100 in Colombia, and more than 100 in Peru. Then he went on to say, I like the girls in Ecuador. They are more gentle and trusting, more innocent. They are not as suspicious of strangers as Colombian girls. Hang on, I I have too much saliva again. (laughs) I bet your customers love that extra saliva. Shut up, I hate you. It hurts. You still with us, Todd? Uh, yeah, I just uh, had to put. I just had to put down the Jurgens. We did too. No, you didn't lose me. No, fuck it. Oh, okay. So in the course of his confessions, Pedro blamed his crimes on his hard life and his lonely adolescence. He said, I lost my innocence at age eight. So I decided to do the same to as many girl, young girls as I could. When asked how he was able to pull off his self-professed crimes, Pedro informed them that he oftentimes trolled village markets for selected targets with a certain look of innocence. He always searched for his victims in full daylight because he didn't want the darkness to hide their death right so dark i know right it's just like he explained that he would rape his victim um hang on he would rape his victim and then strangle them as he stared into their eyes he claimed to feel deep pleasure and excitement watching their fit life fade before him now, he went on to state that the horror would even continue after de- their death because he would oftentimes act out gruesome tea parties with the bodies of the dead girls. What the fuck? Yeah, he would prop them up and talk to them until they became too decomposed, and then he'd have to go get more. Up, oh, Todd's back. King tight. I. Call from Todd. Call from for customer assistance. Dial 1-877-650-4249. This call will be recorded and monitored. Do not use three-way or call waiting features during this call. Thank you for using Global Tail Link. We lost I'm you there, back. bud. All right. Must have been a problem can, with the line. I can I I hear everything you said. I just realized when you just made the comment that you couldn't hear anything I was saying. Ah, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We're all back on track. So let's let's catch him up. Let's just kind of paraphrase it. So, dude, check this out. This peckerhead would kill girls, and then on top of that, he would have like these macabre freaking tea parties with them mm-hmm. until they became too decomposed to have a tea party with. Yeah, and then he'd go get more. Ugh. 
So, anyways. Well, I mean, you got to trade them eventually. <laughs> I mean, but, but the same tea? tea partner every day. I mean, eventually that gets old. You got to have new. You would think it'd be tequila, though, like a big tequila party, but no. No. He's... We're going to have high tea. Dude, he should have been in Russia. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you didn't get it, did you? I did, but I'm oh. just ignoring you. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I got it, but uh, no. No, yeah, Russians no, wouldn't put up with that. No, but Russians steal weird shit when they kill people. I'm just saying. Oh, yes. Yes, they do. Well, I weird. happen to have a hell of a lot of Russian friends in really weird positions. So I can say, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, when when Pedro initially made his confession, they the police were like, nah, these can't be true, right? And when they tried to uh, confer with the Peruvian and the Colombian authorities, nobody could substantiate the claims. So he soon realized, hey, they're doubting me. So you know what he does? When in doubt, whip it out? Well, he pretty much said, I will take you to where I buried them. Well, at least yeah. he's nice about it. He's like, yeah. you think I'm bullshitting? Let's go, let, yeah. let's go visit the girls. We had tea. They're all in a good, yeah. they're, they're in a good place. So a couple of days after his confession. I yeah, a couple of days after his confession, they actually took him, in, shackled up, and drove in a caravan to various dump sites, his claimed dump sites. Now, the first one he took them to was just outside of Ambato, and they discovered the remains of 53 girls, all of them between the ages of 8 and 12. Christ, he was a busy bee, wasn't he? Yeah, then after that, he <clears throat> took them to 28 other sites, but no, they couldn't find any bodies there. But the investigators felt that the animals or the floods had washed them away. So wait a minute, was he singing this song here? I ain't got nobody, 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 nobody. I, I got a, I got a real question here. Okay. Who the fuck drinks that? Who the fuck drinks that much tea? <laughs> Scott. That's a good, no, I mean, I've got quite the tea collection. I do like a nice cup of tea, you know. But that's a lot of tea, even for someone like me. Yeah, and I drink. I go through my fair share of tea when I'm on a tea kick. Yeah. Now, when they led him back to the headquarters, they charged him with 57 counts of murder. However, within a couple of days, they ended up charging with him, him with 110 because of his confessions. They figured that if he's going to confess to the 53 that you find, what's to say that he's not lying about you know that he's not lying about the other ones. And the guy, and the Victor Lascano, who's the pres- director of prison affairs, he says, "I believe that the yeah. guy's estimate of three hundred was actually low. You know, he thinks he had way more than three hundred victims." That's now, a hell of a body count, Jesus yeah. Christ, man! Now, there's really no information about what happened in his trial. However, in late 1980, he was convicted of multiple counts of murder and sentenced to life in prison. <laughs> the kicker here is, though. In Ecuador, life in prison was 16 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Todd, you should have done your crimes in Ecuador, dude. You'd be out in like a few more years. Yeah. But no. No, check this out. He was actually, he was set, he was sentenced to 16 years, and he spent that his time at Garcia Moreno Prison near Quito, which is in Ecuador. It's right outside of Ambato. But he actually granted an exclusive interview with a reporter from the National Examiner. 
Now, he has a bunch of quotes here that, I mean, they get really graphic and it's very disturbing. Like, one time he was talking about how, if only I could see their, her eyes, I would, I would, it would have been wasted in the dark. Um, I had to watch them by daylight. There's a divine moment when I have my hands around a young girl's throat. I look into her eyes and see a certain light, a spark, suddenly go out. The moment of death is enthralling and exciting. Only those who actually kill know what I mean. I mean, it's just, he's just like, wow. You know? Jesus Christ, man. What a whack job. Right. Well, check this out. So he, he's sentenced to 16 years, right? Life. And he actually gets out two years early for good behavior. Now, he was released from Ecuador prison on August 31st, 1994, and they deported him back to Colombia, where he was detained as an illegal immigrant. Now, the prosecutors there were unable to make a case against him, so they just said he was insane and put him in a mental hospital. Well, a year later, he was released on $70 bail on the condition that he would periodically report to the authorities, right? Well, as soon as he was released, he went and saw his mother and asked her for his inheritance. Well, I'm kind of confused about that because I don't know how the child of a destitute prostitute thinks she has an inheritance to give him. I'm a little confused too, but yeah. But you know, whatever. When she told him that she, she had she nothing has to, to share all the share all the condoms she saved up. <laughs> <laughs> well, when she informed him that she had nothing to give, not even a fuck, apparently, um, he took her well, chair. Yeah, lots of that. <laughs> That's how she had thirteen fucking kids. <laughs> That's true. You don't you know, do that. You don't do that by not giving fucks. Like, trust <laughs> me, she had a whole room full of fucks just, to give. Just think of how many of those little bars of soap that she she saved up from all the hotel rooms. <laughs> She's now the soap goddess. You're so dumb. So, anyways, so after she said, "I have nothing to give you," he took her chair and her bed and sold it for money. Jesus Christ, man. Okay. And then after that. Sleep on the floor, bitch. After that, nobody has seen him again. Now, there is a reported sighting of him in September 1999 when he apparently visited the National Civil Registry in Colombia to renew his citizenship card. But then in 2002, the Interpol and Colombia National Police issued warrants for his arrest over another murder. A, a, a murder in 2002 that had a similar M.O. Even though Interpol... Who knew that was going to happen? I know, right? Even Who knew well, that? Yeah. Actually, I did because he literally said that when I'm released, I will feel that moment again. So, um, uh, even though Interpol deactivated their warrant in 2005, he's still wanted by the Colombian National Police, and he's also been named as a prime suspect in a homicide in 2012 in Tunja, Colombia. So, yeah, 16 years for killing 300 people. How about them apples? Yeah, damn, dude. I know, right? That's fucked up. Well, the sad How part the is, is he, he focused on the destitute I mean- street people. Yes, but if you had that many 8- to 12-year-olds, okay, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about walking 50, 60 in a tight area, a group. Right. I've got a hell of a lot of kids missing. Yeah. And you're talking about the, the, the street kids or just kids in general? Because how the hell do people not realize 50, 60, 8- to 12-year-olds disappearing? Yeah. 
Well, I we've mean, seen it before. Remember, uh, who was it that we covered before, Scott? Remember, when he would focus on the kids and nobody. Oh, um, uh, that guy in Russia, Russia, um, oh, Andre oh. Chikatilo. Yeah, yeah. Andre Chikatilo. But you know yeah, who else did that was the, the, the hookers. Somebody's T-shirt factory. Somebody's T-shirt factory just didn't have a shift. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> He's kind of got a point. That's true. That's true. But they did it in South and Central America, too. We did a couple that uh, they had this, like, little bodega going on in their home. Oh, yeah. The, and the yeah. I can't, I can't remember the names. The cannibal peak couple. Yeah, dude, check this out. Like, they would lure people in and, uh, like, with offers of jobs and things like that. and Or, you know, to buy goods. And then they would, like, kill these girls and then cannibalize them. And, like, the dude would, like, rape them. They, they, they were gross. They were, like, They were disgusting. Gross disgusting yeah but no it's like but you i mean and then i mean because i was thinking about it too it's like how bad was the human trafficking problem that they thought all these kids were disappearing to that well in south and central america when i've been down there in the past prostitution runs rampant but so does human trafficking like uh, there's a and here's the difference there's a difference like there's a difference between somebody choosing to suck a dick for a living mm-hmm. and somebody who's forced to do it. And that's and that's for our listeners that don't know, well, wait a minute, isn't prostitution human trafficking? Eh, there, there, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Some prostitution is human yeah. trafficking. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. Well, down south, they don't, they don't really care because, A, those are the people that are unseen. And then, of course, you have the whole situation of at least somebody's feeding them one way or the other. I mean... Who else is going to take care of him because nobody else gives a shit? Right, right. right. Well, and uh, my friend, I got a friend of mine who just moved down to Costa Rica, bought a house down there, and uh, and his brother runs uh, excursions for like fishing and things like that. But one of the services that he offers is he is he's in contact with all the hookers and things like that. He's not like a you know. Like, Wasn't he that former police officer up here? Yeah, yeah. He's a former cop um, or prison guard rather, and. Uh, you know, uh, so he moved down there. But, dude, you roll up to, like, any club. Let's say you're going to go out and you're going to have a night of drinking. There are women on women on women because that is their job. That's 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 their economy down there. Yeah. Is is hookers. Hookers and coffee. That's that's what they do there in Costa Rica. And fishing, of course. But uh, Hookers and coffee. Yeah. It's good times. Good times. That's, that's your normal day. Hookers and coffee. I'm gonna. I'm planning a trip down to Costa Rica. I want to hang out with my buddy for a little while. He's, he's pretty all right. I want to go to go fishing. I want to go fishing for women. I want to go deep sea fishing again. That was so much fun. <laughs> I want to go deep sea fishing, but in I a whole different way. I just want to go anywhere. I don't give a shit what we do. Nah, that is true, man. That is true. <laughs> I still want to go to Vegas with Todd. <laughs> I want to go to Vegas with Todd. You kidding yeah. me? Todd and I would tear that shit yeah. up. <laughs> Good times. Is that your whole thing on That's it? That's my whole that, thing. I told you I was done. I would run off. I would huh? run off all the all the all the Elvises would run away. Um, just, they couldn't they couldn't handle what I'm going to do. Because we're both the hunk of hunk of burning love, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna step on your blue suede shoes. Shut up. Hey, baby. You know don't, what? Don't be cruel to these hearts that are true. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, have you are you number seven? Have you said to number forty three you're the you're the prettiest inmate I ever did see? <laughs> he might not know what? that. 
<laughs> she, she gave you an Elvis song reference. I gave you an Elvis reference. Never mind. You lost me. Okay, I, I don't do Elvis. I, I would just run them off with all the crazy shit I'm going to do. <laughs> I mean, my goal is to impregnate all the showgirls. <laughs> a man on a mission. Gotta love it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I, my, my goal is to do it so well, the prostitutes pay me. Uh, well, <laughs> goals, man, goals. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this here uh, episode because we got a shit ton more to do. Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twisted blue. L- and you know what? Before I do this though, I got to tell Todd about this. So check this out because I, I, I was mentioning the other episode that somebody had commented. On our Facebook page for Citizens of Brutal Nation. Um, and she actually said this about... I'm not going to mention the, the the serial killer's name, but he's, he's your least favorite person. And <laughs> But it, I, I was kind of offended by this kid. Like, what was it? Uh, he doesn't deserve to have a voice. He shouldn't have a voice. How disrespectful. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. Everybody deserves a voice. What the hell? But I... That, dude, she was pissed off at everybody. It just seems like super pissed off at everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought I would point that one. I'm, I'm I'm waiting until she sees the episode when you pop up. She, See, you're talking to me, but we get a lot of shit like that. People hate my guts only because I talk to everybody like they're normal people. It doesn't matter if they're a serial killer. It doesn't matter if they're a record label executive. It doesn't matter. Everybody is on equal ground with me. But when it comes to talking to you, people, are, oh my god, how can you be so friendly to him? He's a horrible beast. I'm like, um, because he's my bud, dude. <laughs> I'm fucking, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know what I don't get is, is they, they don't want anything to have a voice. But if you don't listen to us, you're not going to catch the next one. It's not all about jokes and happy, happy, and let's just, you know, talk shit all the time. Is that you learn about people, and then you start looking at people around you and going, eh. Dude, I look at everybody so, like that. No. <laughs> well, you should. Well, you you should because odds are, I think I read something from the FBI or something where they were saying that you come in contact like thirteen times in your life with with a serial killer. Um, the yeah. odds of you coming across one, I mean, my in my in my life, my stepbrother and stepsister. Not only were they my stepbrother and stepsister, but they were actually raised by another serial killer. That's what I keep forgetting. That shit's real. So for for our listeners, because you and I have talked about this. I don't think we've talked about it on the show. No, we haven't. Todd, tell us a little story, Pooh, about uh, about your stepdad and the the serial killer aspect of that. Because I don't think anybody really gets it. They they, they don't know the full story, so it's all you, buddy. The stepfather who adopted me and gave me the Cole Hep name, you know, the name that no one could ever spell or pronounce correctly, what a gift. Um, he had two kids, Michelle and Michael, from a previous marriage. They lived with us. Then they adopted me so that my last name was changed. Um, it's been changed several times. In the process of this, we all lived together up in St. Louis. The birth mother of Michelle and Michael came up there and told them that they needed uh, that my mother had died in an auto accident, and she needed them. But, of course, nobody, you know, there's all three of us in the same school. Nobody concerned themselves with the fact that we're three, but you only wanted 
two. Uh, left me there. No one knew anything until later on, Sue decided to call Carl and let him know, well, by the way, I got the kids back. Fuck off. Um, which, from that point on, Carl turned into a complete raving asshole for the rest of his life. I'm pretty sure he was an asshole before that, but he really excelled at it afterwards. Um, Sue lived out in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and was a police officer down there. She ended up marrying Gary, Gary Michael Hilton, who is in Death Row in Florida, for crimes in North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. He liked to go up and, and rape women up in the woods and then try to steal their money, ATMs. He ended up killing an old couple up in North Carolina. Before he did that, he raised Michelle and Michael. Wow. So, not only were they better, were they were we related by marriage, but also related to him by marriage. Wow. See, I wish I would have known that when, when I did Family of Serial Killers. Cause I was so yeah. would have added that to that Dude, episode. He's like, he's known as a national forest serial killer. Yeah, so. yeah he, uh, he 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 actually sent a, a, a message to me through um, one of the fans that uh, sent me a message that he saw a photo of me, and I look so much like Michael that he raised. And of course, my response that I was sending back was fuck off and die. Um, I personally prefer uh, my Hilton. Uh, I, I prefer him to get executed. I uh, prefer my, my um, uh, electric chair. I like my bacon crispy. So, uh, sizzle, sizzle, bitch. Wow. Um, but yeah, you just never know who you're related to. and in the, in the, the, That's why you never know who you come in contact with. Because the guy or girl, because there's women serial killers, um, they may be right around the corner. You may be living with one. You know, yeah. the, the the context that you do, and it just makes you more aware. You don't need to be scared, but oh. being aware is, is a whole different level. I mean, know, know what's out there and, and just know that not everybody's your friend or, or anybody is potentially could be a killer if the wrong thing happens on the wrong day shit happens and sometimes people are looking for shit to happen wow you know that's it's crazy. a strange world that's well it true. is it yeah. is i mean because everybody who listens to the show knows that i had an encounter with one when i was 16 years old i mean my mom worked with and trained one of the worst serial killers in oregon history you know and it's just it. It's bizarre, really bizarre. Plus, on top of that, Squatch to our Tammy over here still thinks that her mom doesn't send me naked pictures. My over. mom does not send you naked pictures, Scott. She is an awesome wreck. You have no hey, idea. Your mom is awesome. Hey, I love cougars. So my mom yeah. is not a cougar. That's right, man. That's right. I can't wait. And Tammy keeps on only because of opportunity. She has. She hey, Scott's willing to put her up at her place. I'm willing to keep kick my roommate the hell out. She can have them. You know, top bug won't ever get used. She can just snuggle with me. She will always have a place. I'll give her ramen. I don't know what Scott's going to give her. Probably, hopefully, a, new, probably hopefully, a new kid. Who knows? Hopefully not an STD. I've been fixed, so I can't have any more kids. But, yeah, she thinks that uh, that her mom's not going to stay at my place when she comes out to visit. I'm like, oh, yes, my she is. My mom is, is not wow, wow. over here at all. Oh, yeah, she's spending a few days with Scotty. Your mom is awesome. time. 
I hate you. Oh, it's going to be playtime. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yes. don't. But, we, but think about it. In the event that Scott and your mom get together, are you then going to have to call Scott daddy? I'm, uh, you know what? I have on several occasions when he starts talking about being with my mother. You know how creepy it is to have somebody that works for you call you daddy? Whatever, daddy. It shut fucking up. fucking creeps me the fuck out. Daddy. I'm, I'm going to have to increase my, my fucking daily drug intake <laughs> for my crazy pills. You know. No, not really. I've had employees call me daddy, poppy, hefe. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, just understand. But what I really want to know is why earlier did you say that your worst year was 1969? I hate, I, mean, saying the issue. I hate saying it. She hates saying it because it's my favorite number is 69. Because it's one of my time favorite I positions. The, I, every time I say the number 69, I hear about it from Scott for an hour. <laughs> Which is well, what well, how about a six? How, how about 1968? Well, you know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's where she gets you the know? red Niora one. Ew. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Great. You knew where I was going with that. Great minds think alike, man. <laughs> you know, you guys were. You know, seventy-seven. Just been over the desk. You know, we'll, we'll get to it. You know, we're gonna have a meeting. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna employ your mom next, and I'm gonna say uh, her and I need to have a special meeting. Get in the office, honey. I hate you. <laughs> Consult consultation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Which if you which which if you decide the consultation, you can write it off your taxes. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I'm going to go throw up now. I can get laid and fuck the IRS. That's a that's like a threesome, but a really, a really <laughs> super good one. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yep. That's like a threesome. It's all on how you write, it's all on how you write it down on that form. That's right, man. And in this case, yeah, I'm don't... not the one biting the pillow when the IRS comes to, get, uh, to charge me for my taxes every quarter. Oh, my God. Yeah, I still owe them $2 million. <laughs> Jamie Christmas. All right, guys, let's wrap up this episode here. You ready? Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, log on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Uh, we have a link to the Etsy store on there. Cool t shirts, even ones that depict Squatch herself in her natural habitat. Uh, let's see what else. This show is copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. And we'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Say bye, Todd. Nice. Bye, bye, bye. Todd. No, stay on, Todd. <laughs> bye, Todd. <laughs>